Welcome to the Fix Harare podcast, brought to you by Harare News. My name is Tawanda Muzonga. I'm the editor of Harare News, and joining me is our managing editor, Henry Munangatire. Hi, Henry. Hi, Tawanda. It's great to be back. You know, this this episode is it's one of those issues that struck a lot of people. The issue of illegal demolitions. I mean, we've just seen videos going all over about how the city's gone around essentially destroying people's vending stores, and it just it just begs the question: like, how do we create order by creating chaos, and how do people survive, especially with the plight of our economy and the global pandemic? Absolutely. And here to help us discuss this, we've invited our guest. Mr. Arthur Murumba, Chairperson of the Zimbabwe Informal Traders Council. Welcome, Mr. Murumba, to the Fix Harare podcast. Thank you, ma'am. Can you start by telling us about the Informal Traders Council? What does your organization do? Uh, Zimbabwe Informal Traders Council, which is ZITC, uh, represents the interests of the informal traders in terms of uh, their wishes, their needs, and their challenges, as well as providing solutions, engaging with the regulatory authorities on their behalf, as well as ensuring that their trading environment is conducive and they've got also access to the markets, business linkages, and all that. Okay. Over this past weekend, council demolished illegal structures around Mupezanamo, Magaba, and Matapi Flats. While the structures, their condition, and their positioning are not ideal for trading, what do you think of Council's approach of destroying structures and stock belonging to traders? Is there not a more humane way to approach this issue? Yeah, I think in my view, you see the issue of uh, informal sector matters. If you look at the challenges of workspace, challenges of uh, access to finance, access to various opportunities. You see, it needs a collective approach. Sure, what they did to clear off all the road uh, servitudes, that is recommendable. Sure, the roads have got to be clear. That we cannot uh, say people have to trade from road servitudes. No, no, no. That is got to be clear of any traders. But the way the whole thing was done, you see, they were supposed to have made consultations, they were supposed to have engaged the people that were going to be affected. And in the, in the process, they were also supposed to have come up with an alternative place where those people can be relocated to. You see, instead of just waking up one morning, start demolishing, no alternative, no plan B for them. Because the whole idea, people are not getting into informal sector by choice, but it is due to the prevailing economic situation. You see, mm-hmm. there are no more industries that can formally employ people. Mm-hmm. And you see, everyone is turning to, to, to the informal sector for survival. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, seeing some of the pictures and video of what happened over the weekend. I mean, so many people lost money. They lost uh, infrastructure. It was quite a sorrowful sight. Uh, you really felt bad for these traders. Yeah, true. Uh, because uh, people were just warned through media, and remember, some of them, some of the people, do not have access to electronic media. Some have got no access to newspapers. And whatever you see on social media, some just have, don't have to believe all that. Because social media, 
sends out where there's false or true issues. So mm -hmm. we normally depend with uh, state media houses like ZBC, Herald, and all that, including radio stations, you see. But now with the warning that was given, just a three-day warning, and uh, people were not ready and were not even aware where to take their things to. And remember, these people is hand-to-mouth survival. What they work on that particular day is what that brings food on the table. So, yes, I have said earlier on that the whole matter wanted the collective approach. Of mm. course, we know we have got regulatory authorities, we have got to comply with the laws of the country. We have to comply with the bylaws as informal traders. But engagement is very important. You see? People were supposed to have engaged the informal traders' representatives, the informal traders themselves, tell them the position of the government, hear what their views are, then work together, find a solution, an amicable solution to the problem, so that everybody understands that, sure, according to the Roads Act or whatever the case may be, we are the road servitude should be clear of any traders or any activity. That we do agree to, and we are law-abiding citizens. We believe in upholding the laws of the country. Absolutely. I think that is right, uh, Mr. Muromba. Um, I also wanted to ask you, what is the alternative for vendors who want to sell their goods? Council says that they've built designated sites for vendors to use for sales. Why are they not being utilized? It's another matter of concern, ma'am. If you look at that... Uh structure that was built at uh, Coca-Cola Corner Second South Road. Yes. You see, uh, that program has been going on for some years now, and we don't know why it is taking so long to get people in order to complete that structure. And the other designated site that I know of is the Coventry Holding Bay. If you go there, it's just bushes there. No, there's nothing in terms of maintenance is going on there. See, there's grass growing up everywhere. So it is the local authority which has the mandate to designate any other open spaces they have. I wish if we had these Shawasha grounds were available, but I know they were sold sometime back to another private investor from Lebanon or so. You see, if those grounds were open, people could have been relocated into those grounds and the so many thousands were going to be accommodated, but as it stands right now, it is up to the local authority now, because they, they are the ones with the mandate over every open space in Harare. Right. So it is up to them to decide which size they can designate to accommodate the affected one. And I hope and believe that they shall come up with such a plan for such an alternative. Okay, so what you're saying is that the designated sites there are not completed. Um, it's not that they're there waiting to be used. It's there they've not been completed and they're not enough. As long as we designate an open space and we don't put up any structure, then we are subject to witness other makeshift structures because the ways that these people will be selling, they need to be protected from different weather conditions, you know? So... If council just designates an open space and they don't put up any structure, it becomes a challenge. So in my view, in my understanding, I know of all these, just these two vending sites, the one at Coca-Cola and the one at the Holding Bay, the Coventry Holding Bay. 
opposite Kokom. Yes. If they can uh, upgrade that, uh, find a way to put up structures, find a way to get people there so that uh, whatever is done there attracts business and uh, those who will be conducting business. You see? That's my understanding. You just need to upgrade that holding bay, covent holding bay, one opposite Coca Cola, make it attractive to business, make it attract people so that everybody can then begin to. Uh, Accept the whenever we are doing, whenever we want anything from traders, let's go to this place in the Coventry Holding Bay. Then I think everything will go well. Okay, Mr. Muromba, my final question to you. We have heard time and time again about council demolishing illegal structures and then they reappear again and then they're demolished again. Going forward, how will your organization work with council to assist? vendors to prevent this from happening again? Uh, even the city of Harare can confirm that we have been working with the local authority for the past uh, seven, eight, or if not nine years, since 2012 up to date. But it's just that uh, with the new administration we have at the local authority, they have their own informal sector committee, which then sits and decides on every matter that concerns the, the informal sector without the involvement of the informal sector representatives or the informal sector itself. So we have been, we also work with the Minister of Small to Medium Enterprises. I think we have got a very good relationship with the ministry, even the, the local authority, the informal sector office. Here and there we consult each other. We engage on other matters, but it's not that engagement that we expect. Because we believe whatever they want to do or any decision they want to do with the Concerning the informal sector, consultations have to be made first. There has to be engagement between the parties, the one to be affected and the one pushing for that exercise. There has mm -hmm. to be an, an engagement, mm -hmm. share the idea, agree on issues, disagree on other matters, come up with a win-win situation. That's what I believe has to be the case. And I just urge the local authority, Sito Farari, that... We are not enemies. We are there to work with them as Zimbabwe Informal Traders Council. We are available 24-7. We are at their disposal. We can work with them. We can sit down and talk and agree on the way forward on how best we can accommodate this, how best we can help the informal traders. Remember, sister, if you look at the statistics right now, 70%, if not 80%, I'm not good in statistics, but it's around 80% of the population is uh, living uh, through informal sector activities, you see? Yes. So it is up to the government also to see how best we, we can engage together mm -hmm. and find a way to formalize these people so that they can also begin to contribute to the fiscals, you see? Absolutely. But as long as there's no more a platform for engagement, we'll continue to have these kind of uh, situations whereby they can say, uh, these traders are just mushrooming everywhere. Let's just demolish. But without a solution to the problem, they have to address the cost that is causing people to go to put up makeshift structures everywhere. Exactly. I think that is the main issue. Yes. You see, Absolutely. I think you're quite right there. Uh, I think at the end of the day, um, uh, people are just trying to make a living, you know, and this is the only uh, way that they can under the current environment.
True, true. So it is uh, up to the regulatory authorities to acknowledge that, that there's no other way people can earn a living outside the working for themselves. You see? If you look at it, some of the people who are in the home industries are those who were formerly employed by these uh, uh, corporates that closed as a result of other reasons. Those are the ones who are now utilizing their experience in the home industries to manufacture different goods, do quite different works and all that. So they need to be supported. And I believe our government understands that the informal sector does exist. But the support that we expect from the government, I think it needs to be we looked at. The government needs to engage us the same way. I think the ministry is working us with us very well. We do appreciate that, but there's that kind of support we're looking at in terms of formalization, in terms of access to finance, in terms of access to workplace, in terms of, you know, quite a lot of things. Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Mr. Mromba. Thank you very much, ma'am. Hi, Henry. So I've just interviewed Mr. Mromba, chairperson of the Zimbabwe Informal Traders Council. What stood out to you from what he was saying about the demolitions that happened this weekend? Thanks, Tawanda. There's a few things that uh, that stood out. I think the first is we all as residents of the city agree that there's need for order. Uh, that's fundamental. Um, however, we cannot create order by creating chaos. And, you know, in this particular scenario, what you see is we're in an economy that 90% of people are unemployed. There are no jobs. And everybody who's trading on, uh, on the streets, everybody who's, um, who's an informal trader, so to say, is doing so to earn a living, not out of choice. Nobody wakes up in the morning with a qualification, with a level of education or degree and decides, I'm going to go and sell this or that. These are things that have happened because people have to survive because That's we're right. living in harsh economic times. Absolutely. You know, that have persisted for, for over two decades now. Absolutely. But I think what's, you know, what's interesting to one is that, you know, informal traders are also huge contributors to the economy. Mm. To our present economy, Zimbabwe is a trading economy at present. These people contribute a great amount in terms of people's livelihoods, national livelihoods. They contribute goods and services that people need. So, you know, by destroying people's ability to generate uh, to generate a living, to earn money, you basically are destroying a whole chunk of the economy. You know, you have people that have had their whole life savings decimated overnight. At the same time, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. We have just entered a new level of, uh, of lockdown with the third wave, and destroying people's livelihoods affects their ability to cope with the pandemic. You know, people need to buy water, people need to buy masks, people need to buy medicines to cope with this thing. Absolutely. And whilst, yes, of course, of course, there's the issue that, you know, overcrowding in places, um, you know, is all, all, also creates a hotspot for super spread events and spreading the virus. However, let's, let's deal with that problem and not create new problems. Because now what we've done is created a whole new problem. And, you know, what I find fascinating the most, Tawan, is that, you know, just like with the demolition of houses, nobody has gone to find out who are 
the land barons that signed off? Who are the city officials that signed off? Who are the politicians that signed off on giving people land that was not dedicated for residential use? In this case, who are the fat cats and kingpins sitting at the top of the scheme that collects money from vendors? Because we all know yeah. that a lot, all these people on the streets pay money every single day to somebody that allows them to be on the streets. Yeah. And it's usually linked to political and community leaders that are corrupt. So I would like to see a scenario where those people are brought to book. Is Why is it a secret who they are? Bring them out. Prosecute the people that, that charge people to put their structures up. So basically what you're saying is that, you know, it's it's not simply a matter of um, looking at these vendors and informal traders and saying, you guys are not here legally. We're just going to destroy, you know, the infrastructure that you've built to, to, to earn a living. The reason that they're there is because they've been allowed to be there in the first place. They're not illegal Absolutely. per se. Yes, I mean, I mean, if you look at this whole settlement, especially around Bari, <laughs> These structures have been there for years, for years and years and years. And different city administrations have gone in and gone out. The city council of Harare has an informal sector committee that sits to discuss these matters. And over the course of all these years, they've done nothing about it. And then today they wake up and they just take uh, bulldozers and go raise people's livelihoods down, you know? The day that the first illegal structure mushroomed, that's the day that action should have been taken. You can't all of a sudden decide now, you know, five years or so later, that you're going mm. to just remove people on the street and destroy everybody's, you know, people's ability to earn an income. It's, it's, it's completely inhumane. It's inhumane. It's cruel. It's cruel. Especially, look, given, given, given the state of our economy, what options do people have? What options do people really have? I mean, I, as much as anybody else, and like I say, I, in this case, I'll speak for a lot of people who don't like the fact that Harare has turned into chaos. We don't like um, our public transportation system, for example. We don't like vendors on the streets. But there's a certain level of empathy we have that all these people are people who are coping with the economic situation. And they are providing a service that people need. That's right. They're providing a service. So, uh, you know, why can't we transition into a society that says, look, people want to do business because now our economy is more about trading than it is about actual production, you know, in terms of they're not factories, they're not jobs, they're not industries. Accommodate those people in an orderly fashion. Build an alternative. Yeah. You know, like Mr. Murumba said, you know, you've got several several options that have been laid out by the city. And years later, nothing's been done. Sacred Road is an example. Yeah. Nothing's been done on the Coke corner. You've got makeshift structures. Yeah. But surely, with with the amount of corruption in the city and funds that are, that are, that are misappropriated, you cannot tell me in this day and age that we are unable to build solid structures for people to conduct business. That's unacceptable. Yeah. That's completely unacceptable. Absolutely. You're absolutely right there, Henry. Um, thank you so much uh, for bringing that insight. And let's hope that something can be done to help um, those poor traders who've lost all their stock and lost their means of providing for their families. 
Well, absolutely. And I think the biggest issue here that you see is that um, we have an absence of a city council. Half of the city council is incapacitated because of the recourse. So now you have this strange figure by the name of Mr. Mugutti that's just showed up on the national scene mm. with some title of being a provincial uh, coordinator of some sort for the Harare, for Harare province. Yeah. Who gave him that power? Why is he usurping the powers of city council and the executive mayor? He's basically become an executive mayor and he issues decrees that are out of touch with the majority of how people live. Mm. This is completely out of touch. We are supposed to be in a place where everybody understands that if we're going to build our nation going forward and our capital city, it has to be done in a certain way. You can't destroy people's ability to earn money. You cannot destroy people's ability to earn a livelihood, particularly in what is arguably the worst international crisis the world has had in recent times. Exactly. I mean, it's likely to make COVID worse in, in a way because it forces people to make even more precarious decisions. Absolutely. I mean, most informal traders, in fact, most Zimbabweans, this, this go beside informal traders, most Zimbabweans live day to day. Mm. You know, people don't have enough money to invest. Whatever money they've put into stock to sell, it's all destroyed. Those people are going back and they go into families that have got enough to eat. No way. I mean, COVID needs, I mean, people need to buy medicine. This is one way that people stay immune to the virus and cope with it, is they buy medicine. How, how are they going to do that? How are people going to hospitals when they need medical attention? How are people going to be able to access basic things like water? A lot of these services that are supposed to be, you know, accessible to people are now charged at a premium. This is, again, part of the collapse of service delivery in our city. So this just creates one problem on top of, the, on top of another. I mean, we all fully understand the need for having clear roads when we drive. We understand that we need to decongest the city. But the city is congested because for over 20 years, the economy has failed to perform. All those people on the street are people with skills and ability to work if there was an economy, if there was production, if That's there was right. industry. Yep. They wouldn't be on the street. Mm. You know, so you, we have to solve the problem. And the problem is that the economy needs to be fixed. The government has to do something about fixing the economy. But at the same time, you cannot fix the national economy without addressing the needs and the infrastructure and the ability of the city to work. Because ultimately, industries are built around a working city. Mm. So a city needs to have water. It needs to have access to reliable power. It needs to have good roads, education, healthcare systems, and function like a city. Yeah. And our city doesn't function. We have a city council, we have mayors and an executive and a management of the council that is completely out of touch with reality. Their main mandate now is to uphold these schemes of people, whether it be land barons or illegal street kingpins and fat cats that are collecting money to vulnerable people who are trying to make a living. So I think, you know, to one of the way forward, in my views, we've got to recognize what the problems are. The first problem we'll have is a massive economic problem um, that is on national scale, which is uh, contingent upon the national government to address. You know, the government, the president and his cabinet need to address the fact that there are no jobs. And they need to address the fact that as long as there are no jobs, people will go on the street to survive. That's not going to change. You can destroy Mpizanamo. But tomorrow, people will trade elsewhere. Second thing is we've got a local governance issue. 
if 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 what we're saying is that our councillors and our mayor have gone to townhouse to go and destroy people's livelihoods, we need to rethink our whole model of governance. I think that's that's really important, uh, Henry. Very powerful insight there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks, Tawanda. We've come to the end of this episode of the Fix Harare podcast, brought to you by Harare News. Please look out for the next episode, which will be available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor, as well as on Facebook and Twitter on our handle at Harare News. You can also send the message join to 0786-580-574 to subscribe to receive the Fix Harare podcast via WhatsApp. Until next week, goodbye from us here at the Fix Harare podcast. <laughs>